McShane Bible study uh, day 42 Genesis 44 is where we're beginning and I don't have a lot to say about this chapter we're in the middle of the story with Joseph and his brothers kind of going back and forth and uh, he he puts lots of food in their sacks and he hides his cup in Benjamin's bag so that then he can send his troops after him find him with it and bring him back but what he doesn't know is they had all pledged uh, specifically Judah, their lives, that they would bring him back. So they all come back, and Judah says, please take me over him, and he explains the whole story to him. The only thing that stands out to me is we just really see a picture in all this, back and forth, of uh, one life being the pledge for another to go free. And, of course, we know who that pledge is for all of creation. Oh, and... and it's kind of funny, just as a side note, <laughs> he's really putting them through the ringer, Joseph is, because they don't know it's their, he's their brother yet. Um, but, uh, and, you know, they deserve a little bit of that. <laughs> Not such a bad thing to give them a hard time. But, uh, but he's also putting his younger brother, Benjamin, I mean, he probably has the worst of it, because <laughs> he uh, he's going through the exact same thing they are, and... Uh, I'm sure his brothers are grumbling at him and he feels responsible whether or not they're grumbling or not. <laughs> he feels responsible to all of them. <laughs> so he's putting his little brother in through a lot, even though he didn't do anything against Joseph. <laughs> so funny story. In Job 10, we see he's again really bitter and just wants to die. And we see this, it's self-focus. And the Lord is dealing with that. The Lord is teaching him to focus on God, not on his circumstances. And so he hasn't done that yet. But this, this, we see the depths of what's in Job's heart coming out, which is kind of Satan's point. But God is using this situation to deal with the, the deep things in Job's heart so that he becomes even more righteous than he had started out as in Job 10. And that's actually the point Paul's making at the beginning of Romans 14. He's talking about, don't look down on people who only eat vegetables. Uh, let, you know, if, if, if they're weak, that's their situation. God has still, if they're worshiping God, God has blessed him and welcomed him. And you who are strong, don't, you know, basically don't focus on worldly things, but focus on the Lord and he who lives in faith in different ways from you towards the Lord, honoring the Lord and his precepts, then we let the other things slide. Seven, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. To this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So if there's still areas in your life where you're not dead to yourself, which I, I still do have, um, you know, God is still Lord over so long as you are truly walking towards him, giving him your life, intentionally trying to be completely dead to this world. Um, he's both God of the dead and of the living. But to the degree that you live... Not for your own self, not for this world, but for him. His life is abundant for you.
Verse 12 then says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So one day, all these things will be measured before the Lord. And as we're told in other places to judge, you know, Paul talks about, I judge myself every day. (laughs) Judge yourself that this process of dying and suffering uh, comes to an end in you and you are risen above that because you've dealt with these things during your life and not waited till death to have the fullness of his glory in you. He wants to give you that glory now. And he says in the latter part, you know, for you that have committed your life to the Lord, anything that, that you're uh, eating, drinking, whatever, and the, you, if you're doing it under the Lord, it's all clean. However, if you're you're taking things in that you feel and, and know to yourself that they're unclean, then in that way you're living apart from the Lord. And if you have a brother or sister who uh, who struggles with something, well, abstain from that thing around them so that they are not uh, burdened by the fact that you walk in grace. 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So he's, again, back to our point that the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality. If we find ourselves too focused on worldly things, we're missing it. And I just remember, I realized somehow I skipped Mark 14. I must have clicked the button twice. And we see the Last Supper, and Jesus knows exactly what he's about to go through. He also knows all these friends of his, these close friends and disciples, are about to scatter. And, uh, you know, he said, you'll be like sheep scattered. But he still he also knows the long game, what God is using their lives for. So he's not concerned with where they are in the flesh. He understands fully that the life of the Spirit is going to consume these men. And so he shares this covenant with the blood and the wine, and the, the blood, the wine, and the, his body, the bread, that they could participate in what he was going to do the next day. So they were able to, you know, they were there. First, there's a picture, of course, of, of, of Jews doing this for, you know, a thousand years prior. But this is the first time it was shared with the meaning of what the bread and wine represented. And they were able to participate in this solemn occasion right before they did it without even really having a clue what it meant. Because Jesus knew that over time, he would send the Holy Spirit and he would begin to transform them and work through them. And they would come into complete perfect union with him, just as he was coming into complete union with the Father. And just as he prayed for us in John 17, that we would come into this complete union, that we are at one with his death on the cross, and that we are at one with his resurrection and overcoming life in our lives here today. I think that's all I have to say today. God bless you.